If you have ever read John Bunyan's classic, The Pilgrim's Progress, you will no doubt remember some of the many dangers Christian faced as he made his way to the celestial city. There was the slough of despondency, there were lions, there was a giant, but there was one place that was perhaps more dangerous than any other, the enchanted ground. This is how Bunyan describes it. I then saw in my dream that Christian and Hopeful went on till they came into a certain country, whose air naturally tended to make one drowsy, as if he came a stranger into it. And here Hopeful began to be very dull, and heavy of sleep. Wherefore he said unto Christian, I do now begin to grow so drowsy that I can scarcely hold up mine eyes. Let us lie down here and take one nap. I wonder whether in your journey as a Christian you have passed the way of the enchanted ground, where you've lost the zeal you once had or perhaps settled into a lukewarmness in your faith, where perhaps you have drifted into a very dangerous spiritual sleep. Welcome to episode 37 of Ask Spurgeon, where we pose again another important question to the great Victorian preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and draw yet again an answer from his ministry at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. I'm your host, Dave Holt, and I'm glad that you've joined us today. Reverend Spurgeon, what is that state of spiritual sleep into which we as Christians sometimes fall. My friends, first, this sleep is a state of indifference, and such is that state which too often falls upon even the best children of God. When a man is asleep, he is indifferent. The world goes on and he knows nothing about it. The watchman calls beneath his window and he sleeps on still. A fire is in a neighboring street, his neighbor's house is burned to ashes, but he is asleep and knows it not. Persons are sick in the house, but he is not awakened, they may die, and he weeps not for them. A revolution may be raging in the streets of his city, a king may be losing his crown, but he that is asleep shares not in the turmoil of politics. A volcano may burst somewhere near him, and he may be in imminent peril, but he escapes not. He is sound asleep. He is indifferent. Christian, behold your condition. Have you not sometimes been brought into a condition of indifference? You wished you could feel, but all you felt was pain because you could not feel. You wished you could pray. It was not that you felt prayerless, but it was because you did not feel at all. You sighed once. You would give a world if you could sigh now. You used to groan once. A groan now would be worth a golden star if you could buy it. As for songs, you can sing them, but then your heart does not go with them. You go to the house of God, but when the multitude that keep the holy day in the full tide of song send their music up to heaven, you hear it, but your heart does not leap at the sound. Prayer goes solemnly like the evening sacrifice up to God's throne. Once you could pray too, but now, while your body is in the house of God, your heart is not there. You feel you have brought the chrysalis of your being. 
but the fly is gone away from it. It is a dead, lifeless case. You have become like a formalist. You feel that there is not that savor, that unction in the preaching that there used to be. There is no difference in your minister, you know, the changes in yourself. The hymns and the prayers are just the same, but you have fallen into a state of slumber. Once, if you thought of a man's being damned, you would weep your very soul out in tears. But now you could sit at the very brink of hell and hear its wailings unmoved. Once the thought of restoring a sinner from the error of his ways would have made you start from your bed at midnight and you would have rushed through the cold air to help to rescue a sinner from his sins. Now talk to you about perishing multitudes and you hear it as an old, old tale. Tell you of thousands swept by the mighty flood of sin onwards to the precipice of destruction You express your regret, you give your contribution, but your heart goes not with it. You must confess that you are indifferent, not entirely, but too much so. You want to be awake, but you groan because you feel yourselves to be in this state of slumber. Then again, he that sleeps is subject to diverse illusions. When we sleep, judgment goes from us and fancy holds carnival within our brain. When we sleep, dreams arise and fashion in our heads strange things. Sometimes we are tossed on the stormy deep and anon we revel in kings' palaces. We gather up gold and silver as if they were the pebbles of the shore. And before long we are poor and naked, shivering in the blast. Christian, if you are one of the sleepy brotherhood, you are subject to diverse illusions. Strange thoughts come to you, which you never had before. Sometimes you doubt if there be a God, or if you do exist yourself. You tremble lest the gospel should not be true, and the old doctrine which once you held with a stern hand, you are almost inclined to let go. Vile heresies assail you. You think that the Lord that bought you was not the Son of God. The devils tell you that you are none of the Lord's, and you dream that you are cast away from the love of the covenant. You cry, I would, but cannot sing. I would, but cannot pray and you feel as if it were all in question whether you are one of the Lord's or not. Or perhaps your dreams are brighter, and you dream that you are somebody great and mighty, a special favorite of heaven. Pride puffs you up. You dream that you are rich and have need of nothing, while you are naked, poor, and miserable. Is this your state, O Christian? If so, may God wake you up from it. Again, sleep is a state of inaction. No daily bread is earned by him that sleeps. The man who is stretched upon his couch neither writes books nor tills the ground, nor plows the sea, nor does anything else. His hands hang down, his pulse beats, and life is there, but he is positively dead as to activity. O beloved, here is the state of many of you. How many Christians are inactive? Once it was their delight to instruct the young in the Sunday school, but that is now given up. Once they attended the early prayer meeting, but not now. Once they would be hewers of wood and drawers of water, but alas, they are asleep now. Am I talking of what may happen? Is it not too true almost universally? 
Are not the churches asleep? Where are the ministers that preach? We have men that read their manuscripts and talk essays, but is that preaching? We have men that can amuse an audience for twenty minutes. Is that preaching? Where are the men that preach their hearts out and voice their souls in every sentence? Where are the men that make it not a profession but a vocation? The breath of their bodies, the marrow of their bones, the delight of their spirits. Where are the Whitfields and Wesleys now? Are they not gone, gone, gone? Brothers and sisters, the church sleeps. It is not merely that the pulpit is a sentry box with the sentinel fast asleep, but the pews are affected. How are the prayer meetings almost universally neglected? Step into the vestry and see a smaller band of people than you would like to think of, assembled round the pastor whose heart is dull and heavy. Hear one brother after another pour out the dull, monotonous prayer that he has said by heart these fifty years, and then go away and say, "Where is the spirit of prayer? Where is the life of devotion? Is it not almost extinct? Are not our churches fallen, fallen, fallen from their high estate? God, wake them up and send them more earnest and praying men. Once more." The man who is asleep is in a state of insecurity. The murderer smites him that sleeps. The midnight robber plunders his house that rests listlessly on his pillow. Jael smites a sleeping Sisera. David takes away the spear from the bolster of a slumbering Saul. A sleeping Eutychus falls from the third loft and is taken up dead. A sleeping Samson is shorn of his locks, and the Philistines are upon him. Sleeping men are ever in danger. They cannot ward off the blow of the enemy or strike another. Christian, if you are sleeping, you are in danger. Your life, I know, can never be taken from you. That is hid with Christ in God. But oh, you may lose your spear from your bolster. You may lose much of your faith, and your cruse of water, wherewith you do moisten your lips, may be stolen by the prowling thief. Oh, you little know your danger! Even now, the black-winged angel takes his spear, and standing at your head, he says to Jesus, "Shall I smite him? I will smite him but once." Our Jesus whispers, "You shall not smite him. Take his spear and his cruse, but you shall not kill him." But oh, awake, you slumberer! Start from the place where now you lie. In your insecurity, have you perhaps been spiritually asleep for some time? Perhaps you've grown indifferent to the things of God. You've begun to doubt those truths which once you held so dear. You've become comfortable with being inactive in the service of God. It is a dangerous place to be. You recognize that you don't want to be there. Well, join me for the next episode then of Ask Spurgeon, where we will pose the subsequent question: How can I keep awake when I feel that I'm growing spiritually weary? The answer to this question: What is the state of spiritual sleep into which Christians sometimes fall? Was provided during the Sunday morning sermon preached on the third of February, eighteen fifty-six, titled "The Enchanted Ground." 
It's been great having you with us today. Do join us again for the next very important episode of Ask Spurgeon, where once again we will seek answers to some faith-building questions as together we journey through life and on our way to glory. Until next time, God bless you.